This is another episode where it all kind of came together at the end. Big shout out to the guests, uh, Craig Bachman and Dan Kraus. You guys are awesome. Craig came on last minute and just rocked it. He's a total professional. And Dan, I don't know if we've had a guest come on as often as him and every single time. It's just great catching up with Dan. He's always got great stories and adds so much. So thank you guys. If you want to support the show, give us five-star reviews, like and share our posts. If you give a five-star review with a comment, I'll read it on my favorite segment, The Dyslexic Arborist Reads Five-Star Reviews. So hopefully you guys enjoy. Without further ado, here you go. This podcast is for informational purposes only. It is not, nor is it intended to be, a substitute for professional arboriculture advice and should never be relied upon to perform or direct arboricultural work. The Tree Thinking Podcast makes no representations as to the accuracy, completeness, or suitability of any information on this podcast will not be liable for any damages arising from the use of any information in the practice of arboriculture or tree work. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the guests and their appearance on the podcast does not imply an endorsement of them or any entity they represent. The podcast and its hosts are not to be held responsible for misuse, cited, and or unsighted copies of the content within this podcast by others. The Tree Thinking Podcast may not be reproduced or distributed without the express written consent of the Tree Thinking Podcast. We are in between two holidays that are celebrated by people that love trees, Arbor Day and Earth Day. Give us an opportunity to demonstrate our support for the world we live in, because the tree world is what supports everything we do. As arborists, we have a first-hand interaction with the trees in our ecosystem and a unique perspective on how they interact with our environment. We have the means to influence our community to appreciate what trees do for us. On this episode of the Tree Thinking Podcast, we appreciate the tree world around us by enjoying a deep breath of fresh air and planting some trees for the next generation. On Appreciation, Celebration, and Perspective, Examining Arbor Day and Earth Day. All right, welcome back, everybody. Today we decided to, we've done a lot of Climber's Corners and kind of uh, gear-heavy podcasts recently, so we decided to go in a different direction being the time of year, we're kind of right between Arbor Day and Earth Day, so we thought we'd talk about what that means a little bit. Uh, but before we get into that, let's introduce ourselves. I'm Andrew. I'm Rob. Avery. It's Corey. And Lacey. All right. Welcome, Avery. It's uh, his first time on the podcast, Thanks. and we uh, look forward to talking to you a little bit and kind of getting your perspective on, on Earth Day and stewardship and all that stuff. Does anybody have any good... Uh, Stories from the field before we get into all that, though? i got a big job tomorrow, but not really a story from the field. It hasn't happened yet, but it's, it's going to happen. <laughs> well, anticipation for the field. A little, little anticipation <laughs> for the field. Yeah, we've got, got some nice cherry. Go ahead. I was saying you got some nice cherry logs up there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was uh, last weekend. You want right. one? You can take it home. Let's tie it to the roof of your car. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you're gonna. Uh, are you gonna go over your job last weekend? Um, or are you gonna save that for? We'll save that for later. Save that for yeah, the, yeah. Save it for the podcast. Sa- well, yeah, save it for the podcast. <laughs> save it for the podcast. That that was a fun job. It was great having everybody out and uh, doing the work. But yeah, I think 
you know, that was removing tree. Well, I guess it was a little removing and a little pruning. So it was a little bit of this and a little bit of that. But you were freeing up space for other trees. Correct. That is true. So you're you're helping the trees. Helping thin them out. Yeah. But we'll wait on that one. Okay. Yeah, we'll wait on All that right. one. What what did you got? Uh so I have uh it's just storm damage work, but they're it's a bunch of firs that I've um it's the neighbors of my parents in the house that I basically grew up in. And they're probably a hundred and 80 maybe 200 feet tall furs and they're just like they're incredible furs but they've got like hangers in them that are probably 12 to 18 inches in diameter nice. so it's gonna be a fun day oh. i'm looking forward to it are you gonna be able yeah. to just drop stuff you think or is it gonna be a lot lowering uh, down it's gonna be it's gonna be a headache but it's it's like right over the house and right over oh. the driveway and then they've got like a bunch of plants in the, the yard the it's it's uh probably a two and a half acre lot so it's a pretty decent sized lot but there's probably 20 15, 20 furs, maybe, on this oh, lot. Dang. So, wow. And they're all just enormous. Oh, you'll get to use your skipper porter app, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> so then you can save up for a Barbie porter app. I have a Barbie, Barbie porter app. Oh, I you get to use both, skipper <laughs> and Barbie coming out. Oh, we had to go back to skipper Sorry, and Barbie. it's going to happen now. I'm going to have to spray paint. I think I'm going to have to uh, spray paint one of them, like, bright pink now. Yeah, it has to be that Cadillac, Barbie, Cadillac. Corvette, <laughs> like, pink. Didn't she have a yellow? Co- no, it was just pink. It was just pink. It was just pink, okay. All right, Rob, do you have any stories (laughs) from the field? (laughs) Oh, gosh, you know, what I used to do for Earth Day was we worked with eWeb, and we would take people climbing all day. Uh, Kids down at at an event, and they would give away free trees, and we'd take them climbing. And so for like 10 or 15 years, every Earth Day, that's what I did was take like 40 or 50 little kids and their parents climbing, and that was a really fun way to, to... spend it i've got some pictures of that on the computer nice yep we'll uh we'll have to put them on the social media so people can get it uh see what rob looked like taking kids climbing <laughs> back in the day old school pictures <laughs> yeah so when i think of earth day i think of um free japanese maples and taking people climbing oh they gave away <laughs> japanese maples That's oh yeah sweet. Wow. oh yeah Yep. And 50% of them probably died in someone's house. Well, you, <laughs> I know, you know two th- of them just died up in the holiday <laughs> farm fire. Oh. <laughs> Dang it. Now we got sad again. Oh, yeah. Too that's, soon. That's one of the things that you never think about with those giant Earth Day plantings is how many of those actually like, survive. I mean, it, it's good that they're like... Oh, it's good it. to give them out, but I know <laughs> a lot of them. Like, I think about even back in the 80s when we used to get them from school, um, I think we were probably one of the only ones that planted them. And everyone lived on five acres for the most part, but... I know a lot of people would be like, oh, yeah, we just left it in, in the car. It died. I left it in the kitchen. I was just like, oh. Sorry, I forgot about it. Yeah, Some yeah. good training for people. Get them to get them to uh, get the plant to grow, and then they really get into it maybe, you know. You yeah. have to teach them how to plant it, not just give them a tree and it dies, and they go, oh, I don't really have a green thumb. That, that's yeah. a good point. You know, a lot of people will give trees away on green or on Arbor Day or Earth Day. Like you're saying, what's the percentage that are making it? Where if you're actually taking the time to plant a tree at someone's house, then that's going to make a, you know, you're ensuring that tree is getting the ground. Or if you're getting out into the woods and, you know, hanging out in nature. Or just remember that everybody that just went to an Earth Day or Arbor Day event and got a free tree. Yeah. Maybe make put sure it, you put it in the ground. Just take that time <laughs> to plant maybe, it. Maybe give it just a little bit of water. You yeah. know, that might help. Do like a, do like a two-minute Google. You'll yeah. find the, or YouTube video. Like. That's the, that's the difference, though. I think about, like, in the 80s and 90s, like, it, you don't have access to the information than, like, we do now. Like, you can look at your little baby computer in your hand that's a phone and find any information. So, yeah. I think it's, it's yeah. 
You know how many trees I planted upside down as a little kid before the internet was around? (laughs) (laughs) All of them. All of them. Well, and make an event out of it. You know, get get your kids together, you know, get a friend over and plant it. And then by creating an event around it, that's going to give you a way to remember it. it. It's something that I always used to do when I'd travel. I'd always try to plant a tree for people back in the day. When I went to San Diego, I planted trees there. When I went to Costa Rica, I planted trees there. When we went to London, I planted an apple tree in your grandparents' backyard. Far majestic, you know, so yeah. whenever I'd travel, I'd try to make a point to plant a tree. And now it's kind of cool to think that theoretically all over the world, there's these trees that I planted. It's kind of like green graffiti that you've left all across the the planet. Yeah. You're the Banksy of tree planting. <laughs> <laughs> Don't give him that. No. Yeah, I, I wouldn't go <laughs> that far. <laughs> and going back to the, you know, our current technology and everything, I was just listening to a thing on Earth Day the other day. The, the original Earth Day, of course, was planned with nothing but regular regular house phones and mailings. That's what these people were doing every day. Yeah. And they created a nationwide event that actually was successful, which is kind of hard to imagine doing nowadays. Oh, wow. Yeah. Without well, that, without yeah, the now everyone just now hashtags something, yeah, and right. it's like, oh, it's blown so, up with... So, Lacey, when, was, uh, when did Earth Day come around? Uh, 1970. It was kind of a reaction to a 1969 oil spill in Santa Barbara, California. <laughs> and um, a lot of advocacy groups came together. Um, this is before the EPA, I think, was established. So it ended up... Sorry, I'm just pulling up some additional stuff here. A senator was doing, and correct me if you know more, college talks, and it became a national event. And then it was about 20 years later when it became a worldwide event in 1990. But yeah, it was all advocacy groups and all these uh, people coming together to make it happen. Because yeah, like you said, there wasn't the technology to do what we can do now. Yeah, you're not blowing that shit up on Facebook back yeah, in 1960 or whatever. <laughs> yeah, what I, what I heard is they tried to take in all these groups. At that time, we're all separate. Audubon Society was totally in a separate mind from uh, kids eating paint chips society or something about that. Yeah. <laughs> like, there were hey, kids was, eating paint chips. A, it was a big deal. I, you know? I was oh, yeah. part of that society. Yeah. 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 Don't Corey, knock. Corey's the president. I was. Him. <laughs> He's like, I'll still eat paint chips now, even though they don't have lead in them, just because I can. Yeah, they, they don't taste as good as they used to. There was development going on, but all these people, were, all these groups were individuals, you know, in a way. They were separate groups, and Earth Day was a attempt to bring all their energy together for, for mm-hmm. a unified message, I guess. Yeah, no, that's, r- that's really yeah. cool. Yeah. The yeah. idea of consolidating all these random ideas and bringing them into one one strong focus which is it's kind of like the idea of the internet before the internet you know all of these like segmented little groups that are kind of working towards the same thing or the same idea or have the same like goal but they don't have that unified front kind of going behind them they Mm. don't have that like movement moving them like in one direction or a a method of communicating with each other to know that they're actually trying to do the same thing there's yeah. strength in numbers. There yes. is. There's strength in numbers. All right, honey. What about Arbor Day? What's well, the this story? This one on I actually Arbor had Day? to look up because I was not familiar. Like I know what Arbor Day is, but I was not familiar with it. So it's I'm gonna read a little paragraph real quick. So there was a, Nebra- a Nebraska newspaper editor and resident of Nebraska City, um, Jay Sterling Morton, had an enthusiasm for trees and advocated strongly for individuals and civic groups to plant them. Once he became Secretary of Nebraska Territory, he further spread his message with the value of the value of trees. And on January 4th, 1872, he proposed a first tree planting holiday to be called Arbor Day. 
at a meeting of the State Board of uh, Agriculture. 1872, did you say? 1872. Wow, I didn't realize it was that old. So originally it was set for April 10th, 1872, where they offered prizes to counties and individuals for the largest number of properly planted trees on that day. And it was estimated that not more than down. not upside down. Okay. So that wouldn't count. That doesn't go towards your county numbers. Oh shit. Um but it was estimated that more than one million trees were planted in Nebraska on the first Arbor Day. So uh, how, how many of those survived though? Well I mean they said they had to be planted properly but didn't oh. say we'll follow up in a year. Otherwise right. it doesn't count. So right. I think it was it was a pretty immediate prize at that at that point. But oh. now it's the last Friday of every April. So it started on April 10th and has been shifted, it seems like. Or although it says April 22nd was selected as the date for its permanent annual observance. But maybe that's just in Nebraska. Maybe. Yeah. Uh, Morton, uh, is that the guy from the Morton Arboretum, the same namesake? or maybe? That's a great question. Let's check. It would make sense. It would. Check that out. Morton Arboretum, that's a pretty big uh, Midwest, East Coast kind of thing. Sorry, they have a really big and fantastic website at the... Uh, MartinArb.org. Well, that means they're important. Then. I, it is. It does mean they're very important. I've look, look at our website. <laughs> Wait, what website? Oh, yeah. Right. Damn it. <laughs> we're not important. <laughs> hey, we're, we're kind of important. Hey, go to treestuff.com <laughs> backslash podcast, <laughs> and you'll find our podcast there. Shout out to Tree Stuff. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks for making us important. They have, like, you should see this. The Martin Arboretum has, like, a hundred different things to click on. It's amazing. It's I can do anything on this I, site. I've, I've been on their website a bunch. They have good um, species profiles. So if you go on and like look up a Japanese maple or mm. whatever, you can like it'll tell you like the natural range and what it's good at, or like max size and all of that stuff. Yeah. So what are some other good? I think that's some good information to share on uh, kind of an episode like this or what. Oh, yeah. So what is it, uh, Missouri? Uh, Morton Arboretum. Uh, is it Missouri that we Missouri, look at up often? Missouri Botanical. Yeah, Missouri Botanical, and then OSU has a pretty good OSU, website. OSU Landscape Plants. If you're in the mid, or if you're in the Pacific Northwest, like, I don't think there's a bet. I don't know if there's a better website out here for native plants in this area. And the cool thing about the OSU one, if you're if you live anywhere near Corvallis, they actually will link. Like they'll ha- they'll say like. Uh, Don Redwood, right? And then they'll say, you can find a Don Redwood at the corner of 35th and Potter or whatever. Yeah. And you can go and actually look at the Don Redwood. So if you're a student there, it's it's pretty cool. Oh, that's awesome. awesome. Uh, and yes, the Morton Arboretum is named after Jay Morton in 1922. Because he envisioned a so great outdoor museum of trees. So only 50 years after he established Arbor Day. Yes. Exactly 50 years. Wow. wow. Who's the man? And Maybe he was not, he was not, wait. Yeah, <laughs> honestly, it might be worth, uh, take a little note, honey. Although, this is kind of confusing. So it has a historical timeline saying 1872, J. Sterling Morton, who was alive from 1832 to 1902, the father of Arboretum, but then comma, fa- no, so it's a different person. It says father of Arboretum founder, Joy Morton, 1855 to 1932, established Arbor Day in Nebraska. That's confusing. Okay. I hate it when history gets all. That makes no sense. Father of, tr- it's two different people. He later served as secretary of agriculture. Not husband wife. No, because yeah. Joy oh. Martin acquired property in Illinois where he built his country estate and named his home Thornhill. That's in 1909. So the Martin, the Morton Arboretum was founded in 1922 by Joy Morton, which is a dude, with a focus on living collections, a research library, and uh, herbarium. But, but not, but not the same guy who did. Arbor Day. No, that's Jay uh, Sterling I wonder if there's Martin. a relation, though. 
I mean, their lifespan's over, like, crossover, but... A kid, maybe? Possibly. Maybe twins? No, twins. Was there even that many people back back then? Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Did twins even exist? There was, like, 12 people back then. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Look up the population of Nebraska back then. (laughs) 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 Well, it's interesting because there wasn't, like, the tree scene in Nebraska was not fantastic, which is why it kind of got started there because it had a lot like as the pioneers began moving into Nebraska territory, it was the lack of trees um, that everyone kind of realized, man, there's not as many trees here. That's, that's crazy. Cause Nebraska is known for their trees. Yeah. Now they even are. work. Yeah. 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 Like if, like right now they are, it's probably because of this. No, I don't not, even no, know what Nebraska is known no, for. Not, yeah. not, it's a Midwest. Okay. Uh, it's a Midwest state. They're well, I know it's corn. a Midwest state. I don't corn. know what it is. There's a lot of corn in Nebraska. Well, there's probably apparently football. No, no insult to our Nebraska viewers. No, Do no you have any Nebraska viewers is a better question? Maybe. I'll if, bet if we do. If you're listening to us and you're from Nebraska, we love you guys. You guys we love a matter of fact, you <laughs> know what? If you know the history, yeah, please send us a, send us a little update on what, we're, what we're missing. We're a bunch of dumbasses. We don't know what we're talking about. <laughs> yeah. That's a fact. <laughs> but I'm actually looking stuff up on the org sites just so everyone knows. I am not Wikipediaing this. There's oh. no Wikipedia up on this computer right now. Well, before, you know. before no we get too further uh, on this tangent, which I love a good tangent, yeah, no, and this is right. awesome, yeah. does anybody else have any good stories? Oh, yeah. We're still on that. Yeah. Well, I, I kind of want to hear the, f- the end of your story. Well, oh, I mean, yeah. we're, we're, it's, not, it's not done yet. It's, it's tomorrow. Gonna, so it's, tomorrow. it's tomorrow. It's tomorrow. Man, you're going to be busting ass tomorrow. It's going to be a fun day, man. I'm looking nice. forward to it. Just you and Amanda? Is it just for the, like, the day? No, no. It's, uh, I th- it's, it's a day rate, and I think I bit him at like maybe three days. Oh, okay. I might be able to get most of it done in two, but yeah. And how many trees? I don't know. That's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you that's do that, d- where you're like, giant furs, I'm going to bid it like this. It's, and it's, then it's, it's just a day rate. It's a lot. Of, oh, okay. So it's, it's, it's just it's whatever you get done. Yeah. Day rate's right. good, yeah, that's good, good to do on a it. job like that. Yeah, I, I don't know how long it's going to take. And I could, I don't know, could take six days. I don't it's going to take a lot longer than you expect. Oh, yeah. I know. I, I, I know. I know. That's yeah. like when we go to a climbing job site. I'm like, babe, do you want to go and just start putting your line in the tree? And he's like, yeah, no, it'll take like 10 minutes. I'm like, it's going to take 45. That's why I tapped this much <laughs> onto the bed because then it always takes 45 to an hour because you're not always going to get this. And even if you get the first throw ball. First shot every time. It doesn't matter. Even if you first do. First shot You got to like, time. no, it's like this. Four line breaks. Yeah. <laughs> Amanda gives me the same shit for that. She's like, hey, can I just... Is there any way we can drive two separate vehicles so that you can go and set your line and yep. then I can show up like an hour later? Yep. No. I don't mind being there. I just want it rolled into the bed. So that's, that's where I come in when I'm like, wait, is this climbing? He's like, yes, I tack an hour on to whatever the rate is because I know that's what. She I'm hates doing. being there because I get all angry about it, which I <laughs> <laughs> Yep. So uh, I think my story from the field, I'm just going to touch on it real quick. But today we wrapped up a planting project at the city of Eugene where we, this season we planted 350 trees in oh. five months five months with so, 10 people so if you do the math that is like over two tre- like two and a half trees a day two and some fraction per trees. person uh no just a day just a day just a day all types of trees every tree uh, can yeah imagine. i can't remember there was a ton of different trees i can't remember a lot of bald cypress mm-hmm. uh different kinds of oaks uh, Burr, yep. Oregon White, and Hungarian. Hungarian. Yeah, I think yeah. there were a couple. Of, and a uh, heritage oak. Yep. Not very many maple. A myrrh maple, a couple of paper bark, 
and then a couple of big leaf. Where'd they go? What's awesome. the all over oh, town? All over town. Oh, okay. Yeah. So everywhere. So one of the uh, neighborhoods uh, over in the Praslin neighborhood, there was an area where it was all birch trees. When they built the development, they just put tons of birch trees in. So our crew came a year or two ago and just clear cut the neighborhood. I mean, there was a huge stretch where we. It was probably every tree, and I mean, how? What was it like? Uh, I don't know. Fifty. Eight, eight. Was it fifty? 40-some trees. I don't know. It well, was explain why, because not all viewers may know why. Well, the, no. what happened is the bronze birch borer came through and was killing them all. Well, we, we, we just hate trees in the city. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just clear-cut. Yeah. <laughs> but so they were all dying and falling apart because these uh, the br- birch borers were getting into them and killing them. Mm. And so we cut them all down, and we worked with the homeowners association there, and we set up a situation where we were able to come back and replant all the spots. Nice. So that was pretty legit. Yeah, that was really cool. Just seeing... I remember we had we had pictures of like before and after like when we took a picture before showing like you know a bunch of dead birches and then after and it just it is amazing how much it changes a street just to have no greenery oh, in the in, yeah. the in the planter oh. strip oh. in front and like an entire street just clear I mean I'm sure folks um, who've been impacted by um, emerald ash borer like with the ash trees oh, yeah. just getting clear cut I'm sure they they feel the same way but it's just it's it's kind of devastating, like walking through a street and looking looking down it. But, you know, we came back, and then we did the before and after. Like, before, you know, everything was all stump ground, just like stump ground piles. Everything looked pretty desolate. Go back through, and then there's just a bunch of trees. You know, they're new and young trees, but it's still, it's better than what it was. Oh, yeah. And awesome. Five years from now. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, it's going to be cool driving down that street for years to come, just watching the trees get bigger. And then the other place we hit is downtown. I did we fill every single planting spot? Just about every sp- just single empty planting spot downtown we filled up. Almost there's like oh. there were a couple stumps that we didn't, but it pretty much pretty much every single planting spot. Yep. Awesome. So that was that was a big project. And that being said, right now I want I think we should bring in uh, Craig and uh, see what he has to say about Arbor Day and Earth Day and see see where what his thoughts are. Sounds good. All right. Way cool. All right, right on. Oh, I'm psyched to do this, <laughs> and uh, my time is yours. Awesome. Uh, well, uh, first, thank you so much for coming on the show again. Sure. Oh, man, I'm honored that you have me, so thank you. I wanted. I just wanted to say me and Lacey watched your chainsaw presentation the other day, and that was awesome. We absolutely enjoyed it. Oh, man, yeah. It right was- on. Oh, I'm so glad, and thank you for saying it. <laughs> It was really fun to do. It's always a wild ride because the preparation is like nil. (laughs) (laughs) We wanted to talk a little bit about Earth Day and Arbor Day and kind of get your take on it. You know, last time we talked, I think the conversation went in the direction of stewardship and what we can do for the industry and how we can be the best tree people we can be. And I think uh, there's a lot of connections there between Arbor Day, Earth Day, and kind of the spirit of that and what we were talking about. Yes, absolutely. So uh, how do you celebrate or do you celebrate Earth Day or Arbor Day? Do I celebrate or how do I celebrate it? The honest answer is no. The yeah. honest answer is no. I I guess it sort of seems like every day is Earth Day. Nice. I hate to yeah. say that. Maybe that's trite. But at the same time, <clears throat> I'm not much of a holiday person. And so... Any day that we're out working on trees, any day that I are out in the environment, in the world, is sort of 
I think we have to be aware of all these same things. And Earth Day is a good reminder. Yeah. And Arbor Day is a good reminder of those things. I could probably do more. Um, and this probably makes me a bad arborist. Oh, I don't think so. <laughs> yeah. I think, uh, you know, just uh, this this whole topic came up a little last minute. So usually I put a lot of time into typing these outlines out and thinking about every corner. And I didn't do that as much on this one. So I'm kind of figuring it out as I go. And I'm, one of the things I'm starting to realize is Earth Day and Arbor Day is more than a day that we have to celebrate. It's a day where a lot of the rest of the world is looking in on what I think arborists are doing on an everyday basis. You know, our, our job Absolutely. is to take care of the trees and plant them. So I don't think you're a bad arborist if you don't celebrate it. I think you hit the nail on the head, Craig. Like for an arborist, we should be every single day should be Arbor Day to us, right? Because I mean, we're working with and around trees. It is more for the general public and we're trying to do that outreach piece. And it's it's kind of incumbent on the arborist, I guess, to make the general public or people who might not be so aware of trees aware of it on Arbor Day. And that's just a good you know, designated day that we have to actually do that. Yeah, I think that's a great observation. And in many ways, I and probably many of us could do better in terms of recognizing, acknowledging, promoting these as days that remind us. I mean, in some ways, isn't that what holidays are? They're days that remind us about things that we should be thinking about all year long, right? Whether it's you know Martin Luther King Day or it's Thanksgiving or it's mm-hmm. pick a holiday, right? Aren't these days to sort of kick us in the butt to remind us of things that should be um, higher in our thought process year round? It's a little of a – I think sometimes it could be a challenge for an arborist too because you're going, oh, you know – uh, maybe I need to shut up about trees a little bit because everybody's tired of hearing about it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm always if talking married, trees. And yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, if, if you're married, married, you know exactly what that's all about. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Earth, Earth Day well, is that- interesting. You know, there's Arbor Day, which is is about trees. Earth Day is more, um, you know, the planet and the Earth, and so it it. For me, that's interesting because of the, um, you know, big initiative that humans should be taking on to uh, make the planet as healthy as possible, you know, so that we can live in a healthy planet. And it's kind of coming to a head more and more every day that goes by. It seems like it becomes more important for everybody in the world to be more aware of the world and what changes need to be made and what they can do to um, you know, create a healthier planet. So the Earth Day to me is an interesting one. It's it's not Arbor Day. It's not trees. So it's not something that I'm really directly focusing on all the time. And one one thing that's been coming up in our uh, in our management meetings and we've been starting to have some breakout sessions with is um, having an initiative of becoming more carbon neutral or at least, you know, in our business in, at Sperry Tree Care. And um, at least get an understanding of what our con- carbon consumptions are and what kinds of things we can be doing to um, reduce it and offset that footprint. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. But, you know, something that strikes me about Earth Day, and if we go back in the history of this holiday seems a weird term for it, but let's roll with that, this, this holiday, right? This, this was established or identified back in 1970, if I recall correctly. And I wasn't there. I'm not that old, but uh, <laughs> I'm 
I brushed up on my history a little bit. And uh, it was connected in many ways back to the book Silent Spring that was written by Rachel Carson. And Silent Spring talks about the impact that chemicals, specifically DDT insecticide, was having on the environment as a whole, but showing up in the loss of uh, bird species that were being killed by the accumulation of pesticides, of insecticides. And what is what is Earth Day really about, all about? And I think to me, Earth Day is a reminder that our planet is a closed system. You know, this is like the terrarium, right? This is like the plant growing in the sealed glass ball on your desk. Uh, I had the opportunity just recently to read a book about this is a digression, but I swear it's connected. I read a book about the Apollo 8 mission, which was back in 1968. And Apollo 8 was the first uh, human-occupied spacecraft to go around the moon. And what came out of that, one of the big ahas, it was the first time that that Homo sapiens – our species had looked back and seen our planet as a whole, as a blue dot in the dark you know, background of space. And many of you have probably seen that very famous photograph taken by Bill Anders, one of the astronauts on Apollo 8, called Earthrise, that yeah. shows the gray pockmarked lunar landscape and this incredible blue and white marble of the Earth rising over it. And that perspective, and, and the astronauts talked about the ability that you could hold up your arm, put your thumb out at arm's length, and blot out the entire Earth when they were orbiting the moon 233 miles, 233,000 miles away. And this idea that we live on this ball of rock that has water and this green stuff and this little skin of an atmosphere over the top of it. And that that is, we're in a terrarium. We're in a closed system, a closed environment. And they, we get solar radiation. We get that coming in. We get a little bit of mineral content coming in through meteorites and asteroids and whatever they're called. But otherwise, what's in here stays here. There's no getting rid of everything, right? There's no adding something new. Hmm. And we're in a closed system where we're all dependent upon each other. And, and I don't just mean humankind. And I don't just mean you know, one country or another. Every animal, every insect, every plant, every everything is dependent on one another and being in, uh, in balance. And there was a super cool essay that I read, well, probably 30 years ago. I would imagine you all remember, or many of you might remember, or have heard the name of the author, Tom Clancy. He was known for these sort of techno-thriller, military fiction kind of novels. But anyway, he wrote an article about nuclear weapons. And in it, he was asked, are we at risk of destroying the planet? And he said, no, of course not. The planet will outlive all of us. We're, we're at risk of destroying ourselves. And when I yeah. think of Earth Day, this idea of being an interconnected web, a closed system, our behaviors, we are at risk of destroying ourselves. Yeah. That, yeah. That's what Earth Day reminds me of. Yeah. Yeah. Me being the, the misanthrope that I am, uh, I think it's kind of funny that 
like to drive home a point like, hey, you need to protect our planet. Hey, you need to protect, you know, the the natural world or whatever. You have to tie it back into, hey, you need to protect yourselves. It's that's I just think that's kind of funny that we as a species, like we you have to drive that point home to make it, you know, make it valuable to us. Well, I I think that comes from we, you know, we think that the world is so big and how are our little old us gonna have an effect on, you know, such a big big planet but so I think it was a saying based on that picture you were talking about from space but someone and I think it was one of the astronauts was talking about looking at it that picture and realizing that every single you know Shakespeare play every war that it was ever battled every nation that rose and fall all happened on that little blue dot that he could cover with his thumb you know, and it's kind of the same thing. Like we look at this world as this huge thing, but not really. It's a small thing, and our effects can change it. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah that that's a great perspective. I I'm telling you, Craig, you come on here, and our podcast <laughs> gets a lot smarter. <laughs> <Definitely>. <laughs> I love that perspective, though, because I think that's a big part of what uh, Earth Day is. Is you know, it's kind of put in perspective on on where we're living some some of that too might be difficult to feel now as when uh when earth day started uh my understanding is that there were a lot more direct effects people were feeling from pollution and environmental issues you know that were going on there were fish turning up in the ponds and people it was a little more uh direct you know they were dumping things in the creek and and now we have the epa we have the clean air clean water uh, and it distances us a little bit from that feeling, even though it's still there. You know, we kind of lose touch, and we don't have that same fight maybe that people had in 1970. They they were they were feeling a little bit more directly the effects of our actions. You know. Yeah. Well, and I think with science, we we start learning that, you know, like you say, back when when all that was, you know, for the EPA was first coming around, you know, people were getting poisoned and. By mass amounts, people were dying. It was really bad, and that's why they had to start this, you know, the EPA. Now the EPA puts limits on how much you're allowed to pollute. But we're starting to find these micro pollutions in plastics and stuff that doesn't kill you right away. But in some situations, it's affecting you on a genetic level that you're passing on to the next generation. That's cumulative. Cumulative, Yeah, 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 you're the pharmacist here. You understand the way (laughs) these things work way better than we do. But, you know, that's a, it's kind of interesting to see, you know, how putting those rules just kind of changed the game some. Yeah, and and I I think that speaks to kind of why it's been difficult for us as a species to combat global warming or climate change or whatever you want to call it because, you know, incremental changes, they're, you know, they're doing a lot to the planet, but it's hard for us, you know, 10 years, 20 years, it's hard for us to see that, that picture. Cause it's not directly infecting us. You know, it's not poisoning our water. It's not getting into our bodies. It's not whatever. So it's kind of hard for us to get behind that because it's, we don't see the direct effects of it. Yeah. Your daily yeah. life isn't affected exactly. a whole lot. Exactly. But at one time rivers were literally on fire. Right. Right. Yeah. You know, yeah. in yeah. the United States. Yeah. Right? yeah. And, and not little forget. ones. Like yeah, right. giant yeah. river. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's well, maybe I could, Maybe I could connect us to something that is direct and has affected all of us, particularly over the last year. You know, my understanding is that the research suggests that COVID-19, the coronavirus, that's killed 550,000 of our fellow Americans and 
something like three and a half million people around the world, research suggested that jumped from wildlife to people and wildlife that were being captured and what's the word I'm looking for? Um, raised for food, trying to feed masses in a country with a population problem, a population growth challenge, and that capturing wildlife and raising them and reproducing them, harvesting them, it appears to have had a direct, be a direct cause of the pandemic that we've all experienced. And so I'm not sure I agree entirely that the direct effects of our changing environment, our changing ecosystem, uh, are less so now than they were back in 1970. I think we've all spent a year feeling these effects. Yeah, maybe we need to to tune in. Pay attention to what's going on, yeah. Maybe look up from our phones every once in a while. There's a great TED Talk that I, I was just digging around to see what was, what talked about trees and Earth Day and whatnot. And I watched this really cool TED Talk called If Trees Could Speak. It's really short. It's three and a half minutes long or something like that. It's by a woman, an author named Elif, E-L-I-F, Shafak, S-H-A-F-A-K. And I apologize. I'm certain that's not how it's pronounced. But Elif Shafak called If Trees Could Speak. And she is a she is a writer, and she wrote what's essentially a letter from trees to people, trying to put herself in their roots. I guess I would say they don't wear shoes, of course. Put some put herself in the roots of trees. See how do they see people, and what might they try to communicate to us? And one of the things she talks about, sort of following sharing this letter talks about the idea of us being disconnected, desensitized, and indifferent to the world around us. And I think those are some of the points you've brought up. So if you're looking for an interesting listen, search uh, the TED Talks for If Trees Could Speak. Yeah. Got I'll, it up. Nice. I'll definitely check that out. I wonder if we're allowed to play audio from TED Talks on here. Yeah. I think there's probably a copyright issue there. Almost yeah. definitely. Yeah, yeah most definitely. Probably. We probably shouldn't mess around. No, let's not. I'm just around. curious. Yeah, but you, hear it. <laughs> maybe you could include a uh, link to it or something in the uh, show notes. Oh, totally. Yeah, for yeah. sure. For sure. Like, check this out. Yep. And if you're listening, just Google what he said. Yeah, Lacey just proved that <laughs> yeah. it'll bring it right it's up. It's Googleable. For you. <laughs> it was on yeah. October 10th, uh, well, or at least posted, and I think initially October 10th, 2020. So not that long yeah. ago. Well. Yeah. And I think to kind of add on to what you're saying about how we're kind of consuming nature in a way that has, you know, uh, potentially put the human race in a really bad spot right now with the with the coronavirus. I think, you know, we're doing the same thing in the tree world. We're consuming nature in a way that's, you know, could be put in the, the world in a pretty tight spot. We, Absolutely. we live in the Pacific Northwest, which was built on logging. And we're finding there's ways you can log in ways that you probably shouldn't log. You know, we've gone through the through our country and we've cut down, what is it, 96% of the old growth forests that are there? There's only a few percent left, yeah. And there's some people that are hungry for those last couple percent. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think stepping back and saying like, okay, how can we work with nature as much as possible 
to be able to still harvest lumber, you know, that we got to do this. We all use toilet paper. We all, you know, have a need. Yeah, we all have a need for these products. But what's the way that we can do it? Uh, And another word you used earlier that kind of struck me was balance. How can we do this with a balance that allows for nature to be able to be healthy as well as us get what we need? Yeah, that's a great way to say it. It's, you know, the, the consumer culture, disposal culture that sort of spreads into all kinds of things. If You mind if I share, share a quick story? Go for yeah, it. Do it. So we're recording this on, what, Friday, just after Earth Day. Yep. Yesterday, I received an email from a client uh, from who, for, for whom I've done some consulting around a potential construction project on their property and identifying trees and tree protection zones and whatnot. And there, he has a very large deodar cedar that is a spectacular tree. Uh, it's an introduced landscape tree here. It's just under 30 inches in diameter, maybe 80 plus feet tall. This tree is spectacular. The structure is wonderful. It's perfect. It's, it's everything you could want in a large tree. And the email essentially said, you know, we like this tree and we like trees in general, but it's really messy. And so we're thinking about removing it and replacing it. And I thought to myself, one, bummer that this is on Earth Day that we're having this conversation. <laughs> but, but two, Andrew, what you got me thinking about is this idea of replacement. You know, and so often, you know, when there are permit issues, when there's tree protection involved, a tree maybe can be removed and then replaced with a certain number of trees. The idea that replacement of an 80-foot tall, 30-inch diameter, spectacular, healthy tree with something that is an inch and a half caliper and yeah. eight feet tall, uh, to call that a replacement, I think maybe uses the wrong word. Yeah, you're going to need hundreds, maybe thousands to replace it. Yeah, the biological value, the value to our environment, the value to our community, the value to the property, whatever it might be, however we measure those benefits, saying that we're going to remove and replace a tree like we're going to swap out the bathtub or the toilet at our house, it's just not like that. Trees don't work that way. The only thing that replaces large trees in the environment, whether it's old growth in a, uh, in a forest setting or it's a large tree in an urban forestry environment, the only thing that replaces those is time. And the yeah. problem right now is that's not what we have. No. We don't have a lot of time. The world is changing. The carbon dioxide levels are changing. The acidification of the ocean, temperature rising is having real, measurable, and dramatic impacts. Here on the West Coast, we've got massive fires. There are hurricanes in the Southeast. There are tornadoes in the South and Central Plains. There's the polar vortex. There's the rise of sea level. These things are all happening in our lifespans. And to say that something that's taken 60 or 80 or 200 years to grow, we're just going to replace and it will be back to what it was 60 or 80 or 200 years from now, I think we are missing the urgency of what's going on. Well, it may not be today, but it's coming. 
and there's a level of uh, conceitedness there to to think i'm gonna you know there's this creature that's been living here there's a living thing that's been living here for you know 200 years or you know even 100 years even 50 yeah even 50 years and you know how long like what chances are they're going to be living there for you know between five and 30 years you know i mean if you're living in the same place for 30 years that's a long time and because it's a little messy, they want to kill this creature that's been living there for, you know, 50 to 100 years. That's just, like, that's a crazy thought well, for me. And I, Well, let's look at a bigger time scale. You know, I did a little bit of quick checking in terms of when some of these, uh, <clears throat> I'm going to say, organisms evolved. And woody trees evolved or appeared in the history of our planet about 350 million years ago. In green plants, woody trees appeared when the oxygen was, excuse me, when the atmosphere had a huge portion of carbon dioxide and very, very little oxygen, if any. And what happened by the development, evolution, expansion of trees and green plants is the atmosphere increased in oxygen content, decreased in carbon dioxide content, and became the modern atmosphere that enabled the evolution or development of mammals about 178 million years ago. And we, our species, humans, Homo sapiens, we showed up a mere 1.8 million years ago. So trees, they've been around 350 million years, and they've helped create the atmosphere on this planet that enabled human evolution. That time scale, I find really interesting, right? We are, we are just a flash in the pan compared to the life of these organisms, whether it's an individual tree or it's the evolution of tree species and genera. There's a lot that green plants have done to make human life possible. And I'm not quite to the point where I feel like uh, we should anthropomorphize trees, but I think we have to recognize the value that these organisms play in the health and success of our own species and recognize the daily choices that we make as humans and as, as tree workers, as professional arborists, and that if we keep removing trees, it's sort of the death of a thousand paper cuts one after another after another, and only time can fix that. And we can make the decision to find a better way, to work around it, to replace, to expand, to replant, rather than remove. I, I love how uh, the that property owner started out the conversation by saying, I love trees, but this tree is messy. It's just it, it, it feels like I've talked to so many property owners who have said that, and that's been like a blanket statement that everything else that follows out of their mouth is, is okay because, you know, they love trees. But I just, I just need this tree removed. I just need this one cut down. I just, I just need something better, or I just need to, like, control this little sphere. It's, it's so selfish of us. Well, and think if you turn that around. Like, yeah. people say the tree's messy, and it's like, do you get your garbage picked up every week? Like, you're messy. Like, not to put you down, but, I mean, if you think about what people on average consume and throw away, even on a daily basis, it's like, 
what if the tree was like, I want to get this human off of me because it's messy. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's like, Judge not. I find it fascinating, you know, in our own time scales, working as arborists, the way that things are changing, even since I've started doing tree work, which is not that long. <laughs> yeah. uh, but, you know, we, our saws are lighter. They're more powerful. I, I can, mm-hmm. you know, when I first started, I was using pretty heavy saws and I'm, and I'm doing a removal and I'm like, man, you know, and when you're estimating that, you're thinking that's expensive, but you get the new lightest fuel injected saw and you go, oh my God, this is like a laser beam. You know, I just, all of a sudden that responsibility gets, gets even more. Right, because you're even faster, you're breaking down this hundred year old, two hundred year old thing in in less time than anybody ever has before, you know? Yeah. And yeah. so it's on both ends accelerating, you know, to a point that it feels I feel it sometimes I feel like it's a heavy responsibility to to help people make these decisions, to to walk through these kind of conversations. It's like, wow, you know. You know, you got money involved. You got you got people's strange opinions involved in the life of a creature that's, you know, doing something maybe more significant than you are. Yeah, and I think this gets to the stewardship part of it. You know, as arborists, part of our job is to talk to people about trees, and when they when they say, "Hey, this thing is messy," you know, it's you know, we're we're speaking, we're the Lorax, we're speaking for the tree there, you know, and that's always. That's always hard because it's so easy to just turn someone off. You know, if you don't if you don't make that connection and they turn off, then they're just going to find the next person. But how do you? I guess it's through education. Well, I think that it, where where things kind of slip away from um, holding every what, what's in everybody's best interest is um, you know we for the people that acknowledge that that the challenges that the humans face like the uh, fires and the sea level rising and climate change, essentially, um, you know, we've got these challenges. So there's a certain amount of people that um, acknowledge that and that want to do what they can to change that. And where it really kind of falls apart is because there's so many different people that each one of us feel like what we do is insignificant enough to where it's not going to make a difference. If if I thought it was all on my shoulders to change the, uh, you know, the trajectory that we're heading in, I would make those changes. I would not be cutting down any trees. <laughs> I would be not like it, whatever it took. I would make those changes in my life. If I knew that that was going to, um, you know, impact the future generations and the rest of humanity in the ways that people, uh, you know, are realizing or in the, in the, you know, I would be making the changes that we need to make in order to make the changes we want to see. And, you know that breaks down when we we just put it off on everybody else's oh there's too many other people my just one of us isn't going to make a difference so you know unless we have some kind of uh joint collaborative effort to where everybody acknowledges it together and everybody acknowledges the changes they need to make together and they make a commitment to do so then it's going to be real easy to pass the buck off to the next person and just say the changes aren't going to be significant enough for me to justify not driving my car and riding my bike or justify going out and planting trees on a regular basis or maybe not using as much electricity in your house or growing your own food, maybe not eating as much meat that's farmed in uh, Brazil. You know, I mean, there's, there's a lot of changes that we can all make 
but it's just so easy to to feel like it's not going to make a difference. So then you just buy that that steak at the grocery store. You turn that light on in your house, and you don't even think twice about it. Well, you're making really great points, and I was reminded of a definition. It's the definition of privilege or it's a definition someone shared with me, which is that privilege is thinking something matters because it doesn't, doesn't matter to you. These things all matter. They, they matter in the big picture. And as you said, talking about numbers earlier, seeing the big picture is hard. And we have to realize that it matters to everyone. Our decisions make a difference, whether we are a property owner, a tree manager, or a professional in this field. And it's easy to feel like Earth Day and Arbor Day have this hippie vibe, right? Where it's, oh, trees are cool. Let's say kumbaya and, you know, hug the tree and wear a headband and, you know, give out stickers, right? But the fact is that protecting the environment, preserving trees is good business. For those of us who work professionally and make our living working with trees, it's a little bit like the fisherman, right? That if the fisherman goes out, enjoys catching trout in the mountain stream, and catches them and eats them every time, there are fewer fish tomorrow. But if you catch and release, a little bit like pruning perhaps, you can fish for that same fish again tomorrow and next year and the decade from now. And the fact is that it's good business to keep in mind this closed system, this environment, this special planet that we have. It's the only one we got. And whether we're the Lorax or not, as professional arborists, we have the opportunity to inform, educate, and advocate on the value and benefits of trees to individual properties and property owners to neighborhoods, to communities as a whole, and to our environment as a planet. We, we have a special role in seeing that, and I think it's incumbent on us to use that platform that we have to educate our fellow citizens, to uh, help them understand and them make good decisions about the trees on their property, the trees in their care, that will benefit their entire community and our whole planet. So like, with that, those those are my thoughts on Earth Days, folks. Awesome, awesome. Well, uh, thank you so much for sharing your thoughts, man. I I can't think of uh, a better way to put it than you just put it right there. It's a pleasure to be with you all. Thank you for the opportunity. Yeah. Well, uh, again, thanks for coming on again, and uh, yeah, hopefully we'll hear from you again in the future as we come up with topics that uh, we need our IQ to jump up a little bit to tackle. <laughs> oh man i i don't know if i'll raise the iq but we'll have a good time doing it hey i'll settle for that <laughs> right on you all have a great weekend so nice to talk with you again right on you do the same we'll Thanks, talk Craig. to you later all right bye everybody later bye. on he is seriously like the mr rogers of tree care <laughs> he's fat no he well, is he's he is. fantastically yes. informed like i feel like like what he was saying at the end there where it's our job to educate people and make them become aware of the choices they're making and how that um you know affects the world that we live in um i i think that convincing people that that's true is not the, as challenging as 
actually getting them to make the choice not to remove the tree. Like you can educate them and say, hey, these trees are really important. This is why they provide shade. You know, they provide uh, oxygen. They um, are aesthetically pleasing and provide property value. There's lots. I mean, I can go down the list forever. But then actually uh, convincing them that that's important enough to make the decision not to cut the tree down <laughs> is the challenging part. <laughs> they still want to cut it down, even though they know it. They know <laughs> what the benefits are that the trees, uh, you know, are, are offering everybody around you know, in the area, you have to. And uh, I think you have to provide them alternatives. Like that's that's the only the the way that <coughs> I see around that. Like you have to. Let's think about. Uh, there's something I heard recently that like the the tires that we're driving on, the way that they're designed and the way that they like off gas or degrade, they are killing the salmon in the streams, right? Oh yeah, I heard that. that's. And, you know, tire companies, they're like, well, we're not going to fix it because people are still buying tires. And I'll, I'll probably still wind up buying a tire because I don't have an alternative. Nobody mm-hmm. else is making, like, a hemp tire or something like that, right? But if I had an alternative, I would do that. Like, I would do that in a heartbeat. And that's, that's kind of what you have to You have to convince some people, A, that what they're doing or that removal is going to be bad. But then you have to give them something else. Like, okay, you're worried about this smashing your house. What if I did... X, Y, and Z. What if I reduce the tips? What if I did this? What if I did this kind of pruning? It's going to be cheaper than a removal. It's not going to be like the same price as a removal. It won't completely get rid of it, but it's something that we can, you know, maybe do. Again, they won't they won't buy it, maybe. Well, but they it, might. There, there's a certain percentage of the time that they do, but rarely do you actually go to someone's house that really wants a tree removed for whatever reason because it's messy or because it puts chip pitch on their cars or because they're afraid of it and and they feel really strongly about it it's rare that you actually get them to change their mind i've found yeah yeah, yeah well they're like they're, okay they're, I'll find they've already yeah they've already yeah. been convicted yeah. in their mind they're like this just needs to go like I, yeah. you know i wonder you know i'm i'm not really an advocate for it but i wonder if that's not where they go well maybe we need a tax maybe we need a regulation i i think on the whole that may be a problem with the environmental movement and that's why people f- have issue with you know, they think, oh, you're sticking up for trees. Well, you're sticking up for, you're, you're trying to crush the free market, you know, we're, because they, they, in a way, they've been polarized to be seen as different, even though they're, you know, maybe supporting the same thing, right? But you think, uh, I could I could imagine maybe maybe we need some sort of uh, re- resistance to removal beyond, um, you know, make it a little bit more of a difficult choice. You know, it's tough. Sometimes the other option that you can offer is is the same price. Yeah, yeah, that's true. You know, true. it's all it's you can. Time. It's all you can do. You know, you're doing your best, <laughs> and all you can offer is them is like is like kind of a janky other option, and you're like, it's, and it costs the same. You know, but come on, man. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> one way, tough. one way that I, I, I agree with you. Um, I think that it's kind of, I think the people need to be disincentivized. To do yeah. removals, I definitely think I definitely think that's the way it should go. It's if you get into like the whole government thing, then it gets all kind of squicky because you get the all of that. But <laughs> if if we as professionals, like for me myself, I, I if somebody asks me to remove a perfectly healthy healthy tree, I'm going to charge them more for that perfectly healthy tree than I think it's worth because. If they're going to have me remove a perfect, perfectly healthy tree, I'm going to make them pay for it. And, yeah, they might go with somebody else, but, you know, I'm going to raise that bar. I'm going to say, you know, this this is going to cost that much, so don't do it. But I'll charge you this much for a pruning. 
and it's going to be a lot less than that. And, you know, maybe, maybe, just maybe, they'll they'll look at that and they'll be like, you know, maybe I'll just prune it. You know, $10,000 for that removal versus 500 for a prune? Okay. Mm-hmm. That's, <laughs> I don't do that. That's but an extreme. That's yeah, an extreme. But, but yeah, it, it's yeah. that's that's something in my... In my business, and I have that I have that latitude because I don't need work because I'm just doing it on the weekends. You know, obviously, somebody like Sperry, you guys, you you need more work, so maybe it's not feasible. But if we as an industry, like, took that stand and we said, hey, you know, if you want to remove a tree, it's going to cost you a lot because we're going to charge you a lot because you are, it's not just... It's not just the price of the tree that's being lost. It's or it's not just the price of what you know our skill that we're bringing to remove this tree. It's also the price of what you're losing, and we're going to use that money and we're going to offset it by planting more trees or doing more pruning or, you know, continuing this good fight. I think that's where we can come at it from a professional perspective. Mm-hmm. Just my perspective. It's just a matter of everyone being willing to do that because you meet right. those companies that they're like, oh man, I don't care what it is, I'm taking it down. Yeah, I will take down everything. Oh. Uh, 600-year-old tree, don't care, down. Down, yep. I feel like that goes with any job that you really don't want to do for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. If it's extremely hazardous, then you're going to charge a lot more money. If it's a beautiful tree that shouldn't come down and you just don't want to do that job, then you're going to charge more money, you know. And uh, that's an interesting thing, you know, the, the... you know, the whole argument of the, cl- the client wants the tree cut down. You say, no, I don't want to cut the tree down. And, they say, and then they say, well, I'm cutting it down either way. You can give me a bid or not. Right. You know, then it's like, well, shoot. I, I wonder yeah. if it's easier to tell a guy like, you know, who's dressed up like he can cut the trees down and you know he has before. I wonder if it's easier to tell him that or if maybe you took like a four-year-old with you or like your grandpa and you come around the <laughs> corner and you're just like, Wow, what a nice tree, huh, Grandpa? You know, to the little kid, and you're all going, oh, wow. And then the guy has to say, that's the one I want removed. You know? <laughs> it might break their hearts a little more than they, they don't worry. They know you're, they know you're callous to it, you know? Yep, yep. Um, you know, I wonder. Building some value into no. that tree yeah. so that when you're going to talk to them, they realize what they got. Yeah, Maybe harder if, to yeah. tell them no. Maybe if you had that four-year-old say, Oh, so you're cutting down that tree, so that's the reason I won't be able to enjoy the sea anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's the the reason the climate is going to impact me across my lifetime. That's something our daughter would say. This whole last week was uh, all science courses for our eight-year-old, almost nine-year-old, was um, biology and a lot of tree biology. And um, so, yeah, it's funny because we were talking about it all this week and last week. And she would be the type you could bring with you to a bed, and she would make them feel horrible <laughs> about removing something that need to be removed because she's like she'd be no nonsense see with us we want to give all these fancy reasons and i mean maliha would just like just be like well you're cutting that down because it's messy or you don't like it but it's giving you oxygen like you don't have to do anything for it and it's taking care of you why would you get rid of something that's taking care of you i want to get rid of my parents they take care of me <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, like, that's seriously something should come out of her mouth just because yeah. she's just like why are you doing like to her it sounds so foreign and stupid so whereas with us we've lived through lifetimes of being able to like justify or say why we think mm-hmm. something is a good way without like we lose our common sense i guess yeah. this one. Mm-hmm. like children don't they still have it and then as we get older we're able to justify why we well, and uh, for all those, you know, the voices that don't get included in the conversation, the bird that lives in the tree and the insects, you know, one time I had this, uh, I came around the corner and it's, I forget what it was even now, maybe just a scrub jay flew into this walnut tree 
Uh, and I haven't really talked with the client yet. We're just opening the back gate and the scrub jay flies in there and starts, rah, 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 you know, <laughs> making noise. And I go, oh, maybe he's here to advocate for the walnut tree. And then the lady just kind of looked at the ground like, because oh. <laughs> oh. she, she was asking for the removal, oh. yeah. you know, and uh, there's there are a lot of voices that aren't heard, you know, in the whole 100%. conversation, in a way, especially when you're involved with trees. Yeah, the whole conversation with Craig really went in that direction of advocating for trees, which doesn't surprise me because that's kind of the direction he went when we were talking before is the stewardship. Do we want to take a break? We'll I be have back that time in a second. Thing up later too. And then when we, get, when we get back, we'll give Dan a call. Sounds good. And All right, we're back. Um, let's keep this thing rolling. Should we get Dan on the line? Yeah, let's give Dan a call. Hello. Hey, Dan. How's it going? Hey, going good. Happy Earth Day. And Arbor Day. And Arbor Day, right. Do you celebrate Earth Day anyway? Or, you know, it's kind of been a, a question we've asked. I don't know that I really celebrate it as much as I've planted a bunch of trees. Yeah, what do you do to celebrate Arbor Day or Earth Day, if you do? Well, we every year kind of donate the company crew and stuff for a day of like uh, like this year we went to this uh, Rody Ridge Arboretum like it's a plant amnesty thing where they get all these different tree companies and they they pick a place and we all go there and just kind of bling the place out as much as we can for the day oh nice and, so you donate your time the time of your company yeah yeah, me and my me and my crew kind of went go down and uh, you know just part of the other crews that are there and uh, get a lot done, you know, and it's a good social interaction and a good cause type of thing. So we kind of do that. Um, I haven't really been planting. You know how you're supposed to plant something, but I like to plant in the fall and the winter, so. Yeah. I, I I did a little repotting. I don't know if that counts. Kind of repotting. Hey, it's all part of the process, you know. <laughs> if right. If you're yeah. if you're prepping for that planting, it counts. Well, it's unusually warm right now too. At least here, like I feel like planting was better a month ago. Yeah. It's yeah. I have, really hot I have better success here. in the winter if I plant in the winter. I let the roots grow a little bit. Yeah. If if you plant this time of year, you you better have a watering plan for that tree through the exactly. summer. Exactly. <laughs> you yeah. got to be committed to that watering. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. At the, <laughs> at the city, we just finished planting 350 trees in the right of way. <laughs> yeah. It, it was a, it was a big project. We got, it was over five months and uh, you know, 10 of us were doing it. It was a, it was one of the biggest planting uh, seasons we've had in a long time, but that only works because we have a, a person that's in charge of, going around and he's got a schedule for all of them and checks in on them, you know, a couple times a week, gives them some water. If you don't do that, you're, it'd be a hundred and you'd probably have about 325 fails. <laughs> 325 dead. Yeah. Times. Yeah. <laughs> but, well, that's fantastic. But yeah, I know. And it's so, it's, it's kind of sad. Like I planted a bunch of uh, grapes. I'm going to do grapes. So I'll, I, uh, I got a bunch of cuttings from jobs I did. You know, I got a oh. dozen here, a dozen there, cuttings, and uh, 
got them all potted, and then I was looking at some of them, and I was like, God, I haven't watered them. I've just been relying on the rain because it's been raining so much, and these are pretty dry. I'm like, oh, man, did I blow it all this work, and I never, <laughs> you know, never got enough water to them? Or... <sighs> well, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that. You know, that's interesting talking about uh, up-potting them this time of year because if they're in pots on your back porch, they're more likely to get watered than if it's a, a tree out by the edge of the street, kind of out of sight, out of mind. <laughs> nice. That's a good way to do it. Didn't uh, a long time ago with uh, Doug and all those guys, didn't they do an Arbor Day thing at the Arboretum? I think that was just arborists in the arboretum. Arbor, okay, so it wasn't yeah. an Arbor Day arboretist in the arboretum. Too many A's, too many A's. No, that's a great way to do it. We were talking about different ways uh, earlier. You know, you, there's always the handouts, the free trees. And that can kind of go oh, south, yeah. you know, because how many people actually plant those trees? You know, so we're right. trying to. Or they plant them in the wrong spot. Yeah. 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 You end up with a sequoia right next to like a main roadway or something. Yeah. Bad Nine idea. Three feet from your house. Yeah, yeah exactly. Three feet from your house. <laughs> what, what we have Why a lot. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we, we've got a lot of those Weyerhaeuser furs here because back in the 60s and 70s, Weyerhaeuser was giving out all these furs. They wanted to get their genetic material out into nature. So they gave away furs at schools and in McDonald's. And it's funny because uh -huh. now we're dealing with the uh, the after effect of all these trees that would, you know, these Doug firs that grow way too fast, genetically designed to just shoot <laughs> these huge limbs out. <laughs> Wait, that's a problem? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it turns out. Huh. That's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> a timber tree, you know, or it's a planting strip there, yeah. <laughs> exactly, with full access to sun rather than plant planted in, like, a huge forest of them, you know. <laughs> it turns out it doesn't just grow tall fast. It gets pretty wide, too. <laughs> you know, another angle of... Uh, of these hol these kind of tree holidays we've been talking about is the steward stewardship angle and kind of where we, you know, as, as arborists, we're kind of the voice of the trees. And a lot of times people are calling us to come check uh -huh. out the trees. I don't know. Do you, can you think of any stories where uh, you had to uh, kind of convince somebody to not cut down a tree and maybe how did you do that? I don't know what popped into my mind was the time we we talked this way. She wanted to cut down her alisir, and it was beautiful alisir, never been pruned, you know. And, and we were, oh, no, that's a beautiful tree. Let's just bling it out. And so we spent a whole day blinging it out, beautiful tree, you know, and ended up getting a call back from her. I want. I still want to remove the tree. It, it makes my house look small. Gosh. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. It's not just a beautiful tree. It's a work of art on top of it. Yeah. It's like that house. That tree will outlive the house. It, <laughs> it, yeah. It, it makes my yeah. house. It makes my house look small. That is the worst. <laughs> I think that's the single worst reason I've heard for a removal. Like leaves are one thing, but it makes my house look small. Yeah. I want my house to look big. It makes me feel good about my house. Yeah, exactly. Oh, man. <laughs> wow. That is, that's a new low. Yeah, I, I, I like to be, a, I like to think of myself, you know, I'm, I, I love trees. I have pictures of trees all over my walls. I 
climb trees after work. I sleep in trees. And, <laughs> but I still have that. I still, I, I hate a hypocrite. And so I, I, I don't like to be a hypocrite, but then it's, I know I'm a hypocrite, you know, because I kill trees for a living too. You know, it's like, ah, oh, it's, it's a, it's a funny thing. Our profession, you know? Oh yeah. 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 But you I, know, maybe the tree was old or maybe it didn't look good, but that's our perspective, you know, a human uh, perspective on it, you know, but uh, I drive my, my old pre-emissions truck to the job site and start up my two-stroke chainsaw <laughs> and I cut down the tree and I start up my old smoke comes out of my chipper and I chip it up and <laughs> it's like, yeah. Yeah. But such a hypocrite. Yeah. Oh, I, I hate it. I totally understand because the, the truth of the matter is Sometimes you have a lot of fun doing those big takedowns. You know? I know. Nothing brightens your mood up to the get up. You know, it's like I can be all tired and everything. But once I start slaying the big monster, I'm so, you know, I mean, I'm like, God, I'm hot. Yeah. Well, it, it really is a hard one because I understand. I'm I am that same hypocrite. You know, I've I love trees. Yeah. You know, I, I always am talking about, you know, wanting to be the Lorax for the, you know, speak for the trees. But I know that feeling, you know, I know the, the excitement. I don't know if there's a, you know, something genetically built into our psyche of slaying the monster, you know, but that's the feeling you get when you're, when you're taking on a giant project that you're, you know, that, yeah. and then you get all this positive reinforcement when you get down, people are like, that was amazing. Oh, good job. I yeah, can't believe you amazing. did it. You know, yeah. like, yeah, it kind of was, you know, <laughs> but at the same time, when you think about it, you're killing a big tree, you know, I sometimes yeah, wonder, I, I think of it sometimes, you know, people ask me, oh, why, why were you guys cutting down that tree? And you go, well, I, I personally, I don't know if other people think of it like this. I go, well, it's a little bit like being a veterinarian, you know, you take care of a lot of trees, you do a lot of good things. Also, you do end up putting down animals, but then I, now I'm thinking about it and I go, wow, can you imagine how upset somebody would be if you just were a veterinarian and you said, I just put down several perfectly good animals today. Beautiful dog I've seen. Yeah. And I this, just, yeah, this, gave it to him. Just starting to reach its potential. Yeah. <laughs> this, this dog maybe that, you know, that's not, that's not really true. They don't do that. Well, yeah. they do euthanize animals. They do. They do. Yeah, no, that is, a, I mean, I don't know if necessarily. Danger, danger that specifically, tree. But like, <laughs> if only we could adopt them. Yeah, that's yeah. the thing. If, I think if certain ones are unadoptable or don't get adopted out, it sh I mean, so, yeah. I mean, that's why, because isn't in California, well, I'm sure there's kill shelters all over the place because you're always our dog that's sitting on oh, our yeah, lap right yeah, now she yeah. got saved from a small dog yeah. uh kill shelter um that was like there's like a puppy mill where they got all these dogs and yeah. so you know there are places where that we're just like veterinarians so. but you can't do that for trees you can't oh, take God. a hundred foot fir tree and transplant it nope. yeah oh, you know that's just how it goes it's like the lost dog that ended up at the pound that's a great dog but just couldn't find a home Man. Oh, that's sad. Yeah. Yeah. 
Anyways, brought the whole conversation down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe it's one of those angles we can take with people to get them to recognize. The yeah. Make them feel really yeah. bad about it. Well, like. yeah, that's what. Maybe that's what. That's the only thing you. Can, I feel like that's my only avenue. You know, make them feel really bad before. At least that's you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's my last we'll story. be happy to do it. You yeah. sack of shit. <laughs> How do you sleep? Yeah. You're forcing me (laughs) now give me some money (laughs) lots of it well and i think uh i think the the reality of it is is that tree companies have to remove these trees you know to to survive well you don't have to i'm sure that there's a way to do it without removing trees but it it's kind of part of the industry is you you know uh when when there's a big takedown you got to take it down i think the question is how do you uh, set up the rest of your business to kind of promote trees and taking care of trees. And, you know, like you're doing, Dan, where you're volunteering time of your company to go take care of trees in an arboretum that might not otherwise get that care. You know, so, it, you know, it's accepting mm-hmm. that, okay, this is something we have to do. We mm-hmm. we try to convince the client, like, hey, this is a beautiful tree, you know, like you're saying with that cedar. You got her to bling it, yeah. bling it out. You did your best, you know, but, you know, yeah. at a certain point it is what it is. And, you know, they're not your, you know, they're not our trees. We're, we're just providing a service for somebody. And, yeah. you know, so how do you build that other side of your business? Um, mm-hmm. I don't know, Rob, what, what do you do with Sperry? What do you think you do to try to kind of promote the kind of greener side, the, the earth day, Arbor day kind of aspects into Sperry? Well, uh, we do a lot of educational stuff talking about the importance of trees, and we work with our bidding arborists on, um, you know, giving them the feeling feeling empowered to be able to be advocates of saving trees and not removing them. So if if um, you know, everybody knows that that does bids for Sperry that if it's a tree that they don't want to remove, that they don't have to give a bid to remove it, and they can tell the client that. That's they don't support it and they don't feel comfortable, uh, you know, promoting that. Um, beyond that, you know, we're like I was saying earlier, we're we're really looking into the kind of carbon emission or the carbon sequestration programs, you know, to the, to to be able to offset your carbon footprint. Some I don't know if that's the direction we really want to go. Um, just being aware of how much, um, you know, we are. How much how much carbon we are uh, off gassing into the atmosphere and and contributing to the global warming you know and the greenhouse effects you know just being top of mind and it's like a it's a common conversation that people have in on the crews and in the company and uh, building it into our culture um, I think I really do believe that <clears throat> in the future five years ten years fifteen years twenty years down the road as the um, you know if if science today is correct and we are going to be um you know like san jose in 15 years here in the willamette valley you know if that's true then it's going to be top of mind for our clients it's going to be you know what it the the industry will change and and i think as a society and just as you know people living in this uh little uh, 
confined globe within our atmosphere are going to all need to come together and make some changes if if that truly is correct you know and i i can't say that i know i can say that i believe but i can't say that i know that for sure 100 percent um the climate's going to change to where our lives are much more challenging and a lot of people are going to suffer from it i can't say that with certainty so that it makes it harder i think to, to make the changes in our lives on top of you see everybody else uh, and and you you would have to have faith that everybody's going to make these changes simultaneously for anything to actually happen and if you don't have faith in that then you're probably not going to make those changes yourself yeah you know so if i knew that it was all on my shoulders and i could make a difference in the global climate uh then i would make those changes and i would i would take the sacrifice you know for the better for, for everybody. <laughs> yeah, one of the things, Rob, you know, I've been talking about with Teresa that's kind of cool is that one of, you know, with, I don't know how realistic it is that there will be a, will be a carbon market or that, that, you know, how realistic carbon sequestration is even in some situations. But what you can do is you can say, hey, look, we're putting off this much, you know, as a business. We recognize, start with just gasoline and diesel that you use, you know, keep your receipts. And then you go, okay, well, to, in order to offset that, it would cost us so much money or so much effort. The ideal thing would be really cool. You can connect that to a local farm that's doing, uh, you know, uh, practicing, what's the term for it? Uh, regenerative agriculture. Mm -hmm. You know, somebody here in the Willamette Valley doing something cool. We can donate our effort recognizing that we're an, in, we're an input to the carbon cycle, you know, and, and give it to them, donate to their efforts to sequester it. And you build these relationships, you know, and, and you can say, hey, I know they're, I know they're doing something to, to benefit my community and, and our environment, you know, in a way. And where kind of take that question out of it, maybe, you know, on the bigger scale, it's hard to say. Maybe you can connect it locally if, if you can, can create those kind of relationships. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I know you can market it in your company, and I think that the more that climate change has an effect and impact on people, you know, and it's directly affecting them uh, with the cost of food or with the, I mean, you it goes on and on clean water everybody likes clean water right but uh the more it affects them the more it's going to impact them and the more they're going to want to hire people that aren't just trashing the environment with uh, the emissions and whatnot but i don't know it's a it's a strange psychological thing for me you know because i drive trucks i mean we we spend we buy a lot of fuel every month you know and use it and i'm a have a huge carbon footprint and I, I actually, at the end of the day, don't make nearly as many changes as I probably should, being as aware as I am. And I'm asking myself, why don't I actually make those changes myself in my life? And I think that it's probably because I don't have as much faith that the bigger, that the greater <laughs> population will make those changes, and it's not mm. actually going to make a difference. But well, I it, mean, it goes back to one of those things in life: you control what you can. You know what I mean? So instead of worrying about what other people do, control what you can do. And that's how you make yourself better in general. You know what I mean? That's yeah. that's like what I tell my kids if they're worried about what other people think. I say, don't worry about what other people think. Be the best person you can be, and you're controlling what you can control. And what they're going to think, that's what they're going to think. You know? And so mm -hmm. it's kind of the same idea, you know? And one thing I really like that you were saying earlier is the education. Mm -hmm. You know, you you educate your clients but you also educate the people working in your business you know so uh like you were in the track class today 
right? Yeah. yeah. So if you train yourself, if you you're giving yourself that knowledge and your company that knowledge, then that gives you another tool when you're talking to a client that might have a, a tree that's scaring them. And you can get into, you can really break down how like, well, you know, maybe this isn't as scary as you realize, or, Hey, you know, this should be good for another, you know, five years. Be, you know, look at this report that I wrote out for you. So I think, I think that's a big uh, tool in battling kind of that fear in, in tree yeah. work is, is the education. So Dan, I've, I've, I've heard it recently that in Seattle, you have to uh, have a track report done on pretty much any tree before you remove it. You're not allowed to remove trees that aren't hazardous. Is that, is that, or can you? Get- yeah, each, uh, each place has different rules. So like Kirkland has their rules. Some of them say, uh, if you have so many trees, you can cut down, you know, a certain amount depending on how many trees you have. Some, mm. like in Seattle, there, you know, if it's not a hazard, you can't cut it down. And definitely any place that's like near water or on a slope, it's like no go unless oh. it's, uh, you know, you got a, a certified arborist report type of thing saying, no, this tree's got to go. Okay. Interesting. So, so yeah. there, there's a lot more regulations. Um on slopes and near waterways, and if it's a healthy tree in general, you're probably not yeah. going to be able to cut it down. Yeah, and if it's a certain diameter, definitely. You know, anything uh, 32 inches, I think, is definitely has to be, you know, DBHs has to be permitted. Uh, mm. you know. Do you find well, that, that the arborist businesses in general are, are complying with that and, and understand, or...? Or is there kind of yeah, kind of yeah. They they know they get in a lot of trouble if they if they don't. Um, so well, I think most people I I think they're complying with it. Homeowners are scared of getting fines and stuff. Some places say, oh well, if you cut this tree, you got to plant two trees. You know, they have different rules in different areas and stuff. And some people and some places are pretty casual that you have to get a permit, but it's just kind of a mother may I permit type of thing. So they know what's going on yeah. and they get their little fee or whatever. So if you cut down a tree that wasn't allowed to be cut down, do you get in trouble or does the homeowner or both of you? Uh, I think I think we both do. Oh, okay. I think we uh, I think we can. I don't know exactly. I haven't gotten in trouble thank goodness (laughs) but but i have had a when i was working for a a different company i have had a stop order where we were removing trees and the people came um and said well where's your permits and oh well without a customer had the permits oh nope stop order everything shut down you know boom i mean not stop work i guess not stop order stop work and we just stopped, you know, they're just like, just one lady came out, but she was in control, right? You know, yeah. she put her flags out and this is a stop work situation. Yeah. <laughs> wow. How long has it been like that there? Is that, uh, Oh, Claire, it's getting more and more. It's been like that, uh, the longest right in Seattle, but it's kind of spreading out. Yeah. Um, 
And in some places, it's not. Like up here in Everett, they don't have that rule. So they have right. different rules, different areas. Yeah. Interesting. Do you find people trying to rebel against it? I mean, are they really frustrated? Are they saying, like, I want, I can't believe they won't let me cut down this tree on my property? Yeah. Yeah, they get frustrated, and I just shrug my shoulders. Yeah, I know, I know, bro. <laughs> <laughs> what you going to do? <laughs> That's a ni- kind of a nice deterrent, though. I mean, because yeah. I don't think we have anything like that in Oregon. Do you guys know? Just for the city trees. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. I mean, well, yeah, and so, so yeah. there's okay. also rules for you can only cut down so many trees of a certain DBH yeah. on uh, on a property per year. Yeah, in true. Eugene, but but they make it pretty. Yeah, they, yeah. I feel it, like yeah. people get yeah. away with that. We've driven by properties before, and it looked like they got logged, and we're like, "What? They got yeah. a permit, and that was okay." And they may have gotten they a may permit. Have gotten yeah, permission yeah. For it. But it, it's a lot of trees. I think it's uh, more than like eight trees, or it's it's eight eight oh, trees. Anything yeah. above eight, and eight. is it like eight or ten inches in diameter? Maybe. Mm. Yeah, Come on, Corey. You know this stuff. Yeah. I don't know this stuff, so, but it, yeah. it's it's somewhere around there. Probably it's not, it's eight not to twelve. Real common that we're cutting down more than eight trees over a certain diameter within the city limits. Yeah. On the same property, yeah, that's yeah. not. Property. Yeah, it's like a moot point. Yeah, within a year, usually the budget becomes an issue before the amount of trees. Uh, <laughs> yeah, if you're cutting down eight trees that are thirty-two inch diameter each, yeah. <laughs> you have some pretty good money. Oh, although that that does kind of give a nice excuse for the arborist to be like, sorry, can't do it. You know, up in Seattle, uh, if you right. have that healthy tree, I, I'd imagine that's kind of nice. You don't have to try to convince them why they don't ha- shouldn't right. remove the tree. It, yeah. just, it just is what it is. Right. It's against the law. If you want I know. I, I've told this one lady, we can prune it. We can get all this dead out of here and make it real nice, but we can't remove it. Um I mean, if you want, I can give you an option to remove it, but I, there's no way you're going to get a permit to remove it. It's perfectly healthy trees. And really? You know? So it is kind of nice, yeah. yeah. We don't have to be the bad guy. You know? Yeah, you don't have to be the bad guy. You need to be the bearer of bad news, but you don't have to be the bad guy. <laughs> and if they want to try what they have to pay for the for the track assessment or the or somebody to come assess it, and that funds something else even. Yeah. yeah. Well, what that does is it funds a, a tree company that's, legit enough to send their their employees through track and do it the right way yeah uh-huh yeah, yeah. nice that that's something that i think it'd be it'd be pretty awesome if more municipalities uh took a route like that mm-hmm. i think mm-hmm. um well dan do you have anything else you want to add about uh earth day or arbor day or anything oh nothing i can think of you know i'm, I'm What's it? What? It's been 50 years. I, I looked it up today. I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, it's right. been like 51 years. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's kind of crazy. Yeah. It, well, and then we looked up Arbor Day, and what was that? Was that 1870? Oh, so now you're going to catch me after I put the page oh, yeah. down. Oh, 1872? Something like that. Who was listening? There is a quiz. You guys all. Fail. No, <laughs> I do too. You get, you I get do CEUs. too. You get CEUs. You get CEUs. <laughs> if you can remember what it is. Uh, it was 18. Well, did you guys, I couldn't hear very well. Did you guys see 1870? Yeah. The, the I think so. Arbor Day. Wow. Arbor Day. Yeah. yeah. Wow. I didn't realize. 1872. 1872. Yeah. Oh, Ivory. Ivory was the closest. <laughs> ding, ding, ding. Ivory gets a prize. 
I don't know what it is yet. Well, people have been worshiping or, or appreciating anyway trees for God, you know, for longer. You know, I think we're we've gone away from it as a society, and not us mm-hmm. personally, but as a society where I think in the olden days, you know, oh, trees yeah. were more magnificent and more cherished and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, when we were connected to nature, you know, the, that right. it, it was part of the world that we interacted with every day rather than just something that we walked out, you know, walked by on our way to work. Mm-hmm. I know Native yeah. Americans in this area, they use the western red cedar in every single aspect of their life. Yeah, tree of life. Every yeah. single like aspect that. of their life, they use the western red cedar. That's amazing. Wow. Yeah. yeah. That's it. Yeah. I wonder if some uh-huh. of it has to do with the segmenting, you know, when we're working in urban, urban forestry and urban, you know, arboriculture and some of that segmenting takes away, I don't know if it takes it away, but it definitely reduces your ability to recognize the magnificence of a tree in some ways, you know, because you're going, Oh, mm-hmm. this is in my yard, you know, yeah, the one tree in my yard, not necessarily what's connected to the other people, what's connected to the bigger forest, you know, and yeah, don't Maybe worry about my tree. You just worry about your tree. Maybe it's harder to recognize, but it's a, a part Look, of our role, I guess. My tree drops leaves on my yard, wow. and I have to rake them up. Yeah. You don't have to do that. Yeah, well, I mean, that's a big part of what it's about is, you know, Earth Day is about, I think, celebrating the cycles of life. You know, the tree drops uh-huh. the leaves, the leaves break down into the yard, you know, feeds the trees yeah. where we've, we've totally cut that off in, in life. You know, we pick up the leaves. I, we bag them up in plastic and then we throw them on the curb and have the garbage man pick them up. We don't even have to deal with them. Yeah. I, I, a couple of years ago, I, you know, it was fall and someone was raking leaves and they had a big bonfire and they're just feeding the leaves into the bonfire. <laughs> and I was just thinking like, you're taking something that would feed your soil as it broke down. And you're just turning it into carbon and sending it up into the atmosphere. Yeah, for right. free. Like, you literally just leave the leaf there and it'll just do it on its own. You don't have to do anything. <laughs> you have to do anything. You're actually putting more effort out by raking them up and putting them in a bag and putting, like, that's expending oh, I, energy that's unnecessary. I had a great uh, experience with a client who just loved this big old oak tree, but the oak tree was looking looking like it had some better years. I mean, it was fully leafed out. There wasn't any big dying sections or anything it just didn't look extremely happy and uh and i said wow this is a really nice tree you know beautiful tree to this lady and and she said it's nice the only problem is it has so many damn leaves you know and i hate raking all the leaves up i said well you know you don't have to right she said you mean i don't have to rake them (laughs) you don't have to rake. you can leave them right on the ground and it's actually better for the tree because it's looking she said it's looking kind of sick is there anything i could do for it I said, don't rake the leaves. She said, oh, my God. Oh, my God. I don't have to rake them. <laughs> You're like, you don't. She so excited. She loved it, you know. So a lot of time it's just telling people they don't have to rake them. They just think that they have to because they've always thought they had to. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's brilliant. Yeah. You just know? tell them, hey, you don't have to rake them, and then you don't have to buy fertilizer. You yeah. got it yeah. right there. Yeah. You don't have to mow your lawn and the whole nine yards. All, <laughs> <laughs> all of your problems are solved. Uh, <laughs> you know, I think I think we reach a lot Plant of people. Wildflowers. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Sometimes those little positive things, you know, it maybe doesn't feel like as big of it. It feels like a big deal when you cut down a tree you didn't want to cut down. But those little positives, you know, they're out there. They do happen. We do we do it in 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 our job, you know, and. Maybe we forget about it a little easier because it's not very traumatic, but but it, it 
we do have an effect. I think you can have a positive effect for sure. Absolutely. Oh, hundred percent. Get through to people. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, we do. If it wasn't for people that cared, then there'd be a lot of people out there that don't care that would be talking to the people that we're talking to. Exactly. Yeah. Well, and yeah. the reason the reason she was so excited is because she viewed you as the professional. You know, yeah. you she were trusted me. Right. Exactly. Well, you yeah. you're coming from a position of power as like I'm the person that knows here. You know, mm-hmm. so it's it's about yeah. using that position to advocate for the world around us. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And she can tell her husband, no. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, all right. We're going to let you go. Thank you so much for coming okay. on again, Dan. Yeah. Hopefully those grapes. Hey, thanks those, for calling. Yeah. Hopefully those grapes uh, do good there, Dan. Yeah. I yeah, expect I a vineyard now. For those grapes. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, cool. It's always good checking in and saying hi, Dan. Yep. We'll talk all to right. you soon. Thanks, Dan. Talk to you soon. Good night. Bye. All right, there we go. Avery, your phone has been the savior of the evening. <laughs> I know it really. <laughs> I know Rob's oh like, well, you can come and go as you please, and at that, no, I can't. No, it's all good. It's fun to hang out with you guys. Yeah, right. yeah. That it's always so great, great talking with Dan. Yeah. Have you had Dan on before? Or oh, yeah. Oh, Dan's one of the know, regulars. You know him well. oh, okay. Yeah, He's yeah. He's been on right like on. 10 times. <laughs> probably. Yeah. He probably has been on 10 times. Oh, I'm yeah. trying to think of the guys they were talking about today. Where they were saying Scott Baker in our class, and who else was another guy that had that? He does the pull test, and somebody that does the. Scott Baker's coming on. Oh, okay, cool. Somebody yeah. that does the tomography. I forget who was in Portland. Uh, Jeff, Jeff Jeff Day. Jeff Day. Yeah. yeah. Don't you guys have a tomograph? Stuff? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, we got a tomograph. graph. Yeah. Oh, man. We use it all the time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you better. Yeah, right. I remember when it first showed up, I was like, what is it? And I could just see Than and I'll be like picking through the manual for it and everything. I was like, man, for our, you, they should have sent someone to train everyone on it. I'm like, with how expensive those things are, you should get like a direct to your door person who yeah. teaches every single person <laughs> in the company. All right. That'll have to be another episode. Yep. I think uh, it's getting late enough, so I don't know if we really have time for uh, tips and tricks or a gear review unless anybody's got anything that they want to share. I've got a tip. Uh, don't plant a tree upside down. Oh, yeah, there, there you go. <laughs> yeah, there's a good one. I want to, I want to, I've been really wanting to try the ART uh, lanyard. Oh, adjuster. Yeah. Oh, oh man, is it worth it? Game changer. Yeah, I see the ads and I'm like, you're not fooling me. No, <laughs> yeah, you they're, know, no. they're so good. The ads, but they're, they're they're that good. Yeah, really? so, <laughs> so I've never used it, so I'm there's there's only one downside. Okay, that if something catches it, yeah, you know, if like the ropes cross and catch it, it'll start slipping pretty easy on you. Okay, I but never had that problem very much. But you kind of learned it. You learned to tuck it in there. Yeah, you yeah. learned to tuck it. It's exactly. It happened, but it it's never a, bothered me. No, no, it never no. happened to the point where I was like, it ah, happens with oh, my lanyard. I oh mean, no, it I'm even going back with to my lanyard. Out. Sometimes I cross things up and then I notice. Yeah. I pull my lanyard and then I just slide right back. And, and yeah, so that's yeah. what it is. It's the same thing. It's the same thing. It's just a little more dramatic. Maybe fast slide. Yeah, maybe. It's really not that bad. It's just the one downside is that it can happen. That happens to a lot of slack tenders. Maybe the new. The new model has a has a adjustment. It's, it's for that? not a, it's not a problem. Yeah, I, I, yeah. It, it's really not a problem. It's a problem, but it's for <laughs> no, me. It was never a problem. It, it's, it's not a problem to the point where it's a deal breaker. It's just something that happens. It's something to yeah. be aware yeah. of yeah. that yeah. this yeah. can happen. Yep. Yeah. You know, but yeah, no, because I've had that old one. I don't know how long ago I had it, but 
We've been climbing Still on those works. for like 10 or 15 years. Yeah, and Still works. I just got a brand new one, and no I way. I Any just love it. All kinds of rope goes through it. You all kinds of rope. No, no yeah. Yeah, as long as you stay okay, within, so stay yep. within the yep. bag. Do it. <laughs> yeah, do it. Talk to Keegan. Order one up. Yep. Yeah, okay. And while you're doing that order, Rob, you're going to get that $700 rock exam. Oh, yeah. no, I can't. I, I oh, can't. man, no, no, you can't justify the cost. No. I'm there's just saying. Only, that's like, that's there's like, only one piece of gear that deserves a mention in oh, every oh, single Tree Thinking <laughs> podcast, <laughs> and that is the captain's hook. <laughs> 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 okay. The captain's hook. The captain's hook. Oh, yeah. I used that actually last weekend, <laughs> climbing that walnut <laughs> a few yeah. different times. I'm going to use oh. it tomorrow. I know I'm going to use it tomorrow. So, Most you know, first. black walnuts he's gonna, up he's at gonna. the top, it's, <laughs> you got these big, long limb walks, and yeah. you don't have anything to tie into. Yeah. So what I did is Scramble. I threw the captain hook out to the end of it, hooked it on the branch, and then I was able to pull myself out the rope. Oh, yeah, okay. And kind of, like, be tied in in both directions, work yeah, my yeah. way out, prune as I needed, and then just, like... You, uh, are back. you climbing on the hook, or are you pulling yourself out? Oh, you, you can. It's you 18, can kilo, it's 18 it's kilonewtons. A, so, oh, wow. one, no, I was... No, don't, 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 no, 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 don't. Yeah. don't. I, would, <laughs> I always made sure to lanyard in. Okay. You know, that was... But it's preventing you from having to throw a line, have somebody throw a throw ball and say, can you can you give me a line out there? So Exactly. Okay, you can yeah. just, just shoot you're over. out there. Oh, wow. Yeah, you can use it to, like, throw it. You pull yourself over, and once you get to where you're going, you put a lanyard in. And you lanyard in, or you redirect yourself or whatever. Yeah. Corey's going to be in heaven tomorrow at, like, 150 feet up in a fur with his captain mm. hook and a nice, this, this nice is Wendy's hamburger. <laughs> 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 all the stars will be alive. Yeah. Yeah. The wind Straight blowing across. in his hair. It, it'll be, it'll yeah. be beautiful. Oh, yeah. AC yeah. shanty playing in the background. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I've been trying to think with the captain hook, though, how... You know, because I almost wonder if you can hook a captain hook to a uh, prusik uh-huh. and have that hook to your lanyard straight pull, or it, or so have or just like be able to clip so like, your lanyard to it, so you could use your lanyard. You, you know, you have a big thirty foot lanyard. Use that to throw the captain hook out, pull yourself over, and then just you know maybe oh. have a pressic on your lanyard that goes around and clips in. Oh. Captain hook that is a carabiner. Yeah, I'm I'm playing I'm playing well, with I'm some ideas. I'm putting together with some the thoughts up there. Hook, is it is it just like uh, like you, it's not rated for or not supposed to be climbed no. with? No, or, it, or like no. It, it has an 18 kilonewton breaking strength, but you can it'll like jimmy out of a. It, it's not it's not connected. It's not fully, secured. Yeah, it's not fully it's secured not a closed to loop a branch. System. It's yeah. not a closed yeah, loop no. system. No. Yeah, so you yeah. need to be ready to swing when you're pulling out there. You're going little by little. Be yeah, ready. you better yeah, be ready. Don't do it too far. Yeah, you no, got to know what no. you're getting into, and or, you got to do or do do it too far. <laughs> and you got to <laughs> you got to make sure you know how it's hooked. There's different ways you, you can hook it. Yep. Can so yeah. sometimes it's good to get it through a crotch, have it dangle down, and then when you pull it up, you hook onto something, mm-hmm. and then you know uh, if you constantly yeah. have pressure, it will hold. I feel like this is where we need a video because I am seeing a lot of hand gestures and no one who's listening is seeing hand gestures at all. Oh, they get it. They get it. It's yeah. the captain's Well, hook. that makes me think if it's that long, it's, it's the you, universal. you could tie a throw. Uh, well. No. No. Not movie. safety gear. Yeah. Not safety gear at all. 
They're just like Corey mildly obsessed so with big. it. I, I just love he the is cat. loving I the Captain love, Hook conversation. Every time it comes up, man, just makes me happy. Sometimes <laughs> it's just a mention, but now we're really diving deep into the yeah, Captain Hook, and it just makes me. Happy. <laughs> I think I think it might be partially just because it's named the Captain's Hook. I mean, that's that's a lot of that's <laughs> that, a lot of the, that might be ninety percent of, of it. A lot of it, it might be. It might yeah. be if it had if it was just like I don't know. Like a cabin boy tool. <laughs> that's, a diff- that's a different market they're going <laughs> the Cabin boy snagger. <laughs> yeah, that didn't sell too good. I don't know why. <laughs> uh, advertising. 80% of it. Uh, all right. All right. We've hit that point. No more tips and tricks. No more gear reviews. No more tips and tricks. Uh, final thoughts. Rob, what do you got? Um, I, I really liked our guests. Um, Earth Day is um, a good day. We all want to take care of uh, the earth we live on. And um, I, I really should start doing more myself and not waiting for other people. All right. What'd you got? I'm going around the table here. Okay. Yep. Um, yeah, I, I really enjoyed hearing from other people. I think it's kind of cool to see, to recognize the role that we're playing is is actually significant. I, I mean, I think I always know that, but this is a good reminder that we're the go-between between people and their own little natural environment that they have. Whether they, rec- you know, whether they recognize they have that, maybe we can help them recognize that. Uh, and if they do, maybe we can help them see the value in preserving it and maintaining it. Uh, as best we can. We're not going to reach everybody, but the ones you reach, you know. And and the ones that are calling us, maybe we've already reached just by doing our thing, you know, yeah. just by being available, by being an arborist. Maybe you're helping those people see through their commitment to the environment, you know. So. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, the, the thing that struck me from this podcast is just um, the sense of perspective, you know. We're just we live in a house for maybe 30 years on, on a good term. Right. And that tree is going to be in that house for mm-hmm. eons, eons. Like we are just a tiny little insect on like a tiny little dot in a tiny, in a huge ocean. You know, it's, it's just, we think I, I we value ourselves so highly and we, th- we think that we know best all the time. Like it's dropping leaves. So we just have to get rid of it. But if we just took a step back and if we were just had just an ounce of humility and like looked at these things from a bigger picture, maybe we wouldn't be in the problems we're in right now. Maybe, but uh, it's just, it's, it's insane to me. Yeah. But that's my final thought. Um, I would say, you know, I really appreciate Craig and Dan both coming on. It's always nice to get perspectives outside of our bubble, so to speak. And Avery, too. Thank you, Avery, for coming, and not just for your phone. Um, (laughs) You're more than a phone. Um, And I would just say, (laughs) speaking of, uh, that's uh, people should take a little less time staring at their phones and just be thoughtful. Be thoughtful in your actions because even little things that we do every day can make a difference. It really can. It's just got to take the time. Yeah. I mean, you guys summed up a lot of what I was thinking, to be honest. So I'll I'll just touch on the word that's uh, stuck with me is balance. You know, I think with the earth, it's balance. You know, it's trying to make sure that you're not getting too extreme in one way or the other, and that's when things start getting a little crazy. 
know that you're as a tree care professional when you're talking to clients you're kind of that go between between that the environment and uh, you know their knowledge cuz they're they hired you because they feel like you're the professional and you're the one that knows what's going on so use that professionalism to speak for the trees and try to set up a a situation where you're doing doing as much good as you can and with that stay safe y'all <laughs>